Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It doesn't matter whether you like Donald Trump or not. That is an insignificant conversation. It it doesn't matter. When it comes to whether or not he can be on the ballot in places like Michigan or in other places, well, now we're talking about the law. Now we're talking about the Constitution. Now we're talking about whether or not these people making this claim that Trump is an insurrectionist and according to the 14th Amendment, he's not allowed on the ballot, whether or not that should stand. But as we have seen, just Michigan just yesterday, he gets to stay on the ballot. This is a conversation about where those forces against Trump have lost and losing on the constitutional merits and people wanting to decide an election before you get a chance to do so. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. Would love it if you became a supporter. Would appreciate you being a part of what it is we're building over there. TonyKatz.com. This right here is William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor. He is the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. And of course, he follows these things. Before we get into the Trump stuff, uh, over there at Legal Insurrection, this was one of your headlines, sir. Cornell graduate student workers vote to join anti-Israel National Union. Now, it's not just Cornell where where you work. What we're seeing on college campuses with the anti-Semitism, with the really the support for Hamas, uh, while I think it has stunned many people, for those of us who have been observers, we knew it was there. Maybe we didn't realize the depth and the breadth Uh, of it talk to me about what's going on at your cornell uh university and where what union have these people joined yeah well uh the graduate students uh went through a process and voted to join the united electrical workers union there's several other terms in there and it didn't get a lot of attention and israel wasn't a central issue as far as i know in that decision but the fact of the matter is they did end up joining a union now they've got to negotiate with the university but they just passed uh the vote to you know collectively bargain with a union that has endorsed the boycott of israel and so that raises a number of concerns about whether those policies will now work their way onto campus whether the graduate students on their own will try to implement them and so so that's a concern that's a concern that i've called attention to because i remember back in 2015 when the united electrical workers made that declaration of support for the boycott it was a big deal and it was actually litigated and it went to the national labor relations board and uh, so i don't know if the students were aware of that it's hard to believe they weren't aware of that because in 2017 they tried to affiliate with the american federation of teachers and were unsuccessful Uh, they lost that vote so I think it's just very curious. And however we got there, I think the issue is, you know, where does it go from here? Now, the, the, the where does it go from here involves where does it come from? I've been making an argument, and I don't know if you agree or disagree, that when we see what we're seeing on college campuses, it's, it's clear that there are professors, there are administrations that are absolutely aligned uh, Either you can argue with Hamas or with the idea that Israel's existence is the problem. Maybe that's the way they would say it in a in in a, in a nicer tone. 
And we could discuss college campuses where administrators have stayed silent. They have failed to show a level of moral clarity. And this has happened in a series of colleges, Ivy League and others. But this this hatred or this Pavlovian response didn't start in college. My argument is started in high school and before that, but I don't necessarily believe it started writ large with parents. Am I off base or am I onto something? Well, I, I think this intense demonization, I would call it dehumanization of Israel, of Israeli Jews, did start on college campuses and has worked its way down. I don't think this is a parental movement. I think that this is a faculty movement. There are thousands of faculty around the country who have signed on to the boycott of Israel. They're extremely aggressive. Uh, they may not be the majority, but they are the very vocal minority. And they tend to dominate certain subject areas that student activists gravitate towards to. Uh, needless to say, it's not physics and chemistry. It's, you know, um, political science, it is the humanities, uh, those sort of soft subjects where faculty view themselves. And they say this, activism is an important part of their teaching. So that's what you get. You get 20 years of demonization of Israel. You get 20 years of a boycott movement. You get 20 years of students on campuses only hearing one side of the story. And you toss in the racialization of the conflict under the rubric of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and white oppressor, and non-white oppressed, and people of color versus the whites, that all gets mixed in. And you see that at Cornell. Multiple times they've brought these resolutions, and they organize students of color against Israel. So it's a very toxic, and that has now spread out, because you've had you know 15 years of students being indoctrinated this way on college campuses. And now it's in K through 12, and now it's it's elsewhere in society. And all of the all of the oppressed oppressor uh, goes back to proletariat and bourgeoisie and Marxism. And when Barack Obama talked about the 99 percent and the one percent, it is all part of the same conversation now. Yeah, it is. It's it's uh, a hatred of the United States. I mean, which is manifesting itself as hatred of Israel. It's the old Iranian mullah formulation. Great Satan, United States, little Satan, Israel. These student activists are almost uniformly hate the United States, think we are uniquely evil in the world, think the only thing that ever happened in this country was slavery, and that somehow slavery was unique to us and unique to the Western world, when it, it wasn't. It's happened throughout the globe, uh, in many cases, you know, for lengthier periods of time than happened here. So they, they are giving a distorted view, but it is a hatred of capitalism. It's a hatred of America, which is manifesting itself as hatred of Israel and anti-Semitism. Let's uh, move it along. We, of course, saw the, the rally that took place in D.C. Uh, yesterday, uh, the rally that it seems the Washington Post didn't want to put uh, as a headline on their front page, uh, trying to really bury uh, this. But I do want to discuss what happened with President Trump. And right here, uh, Bloomberg with the headline, Trump wins Michigan ruling to remain on the primary ballot. Now, all of this has to do with challenges being made across the country regarding the 14th Amendment, specifically Section 3. Uh, I, like, I need to read it to you, sir, but I'll read it uh, because some people may not know it. 
that no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as any member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may by a vote of two thirds of each house Remove such disability. Now, to me, that says that Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib can't be members of Congress because they've given aid and comfort to Hamas. The Trump hater wants to say that it is because of January 6th that Trump is precluded from being on the ballot. Michigan, the court said no. Other states have said no. What am I making the proper argument that they're trying to make against Trump? And what have these rulings said? Well, the ruling, there was one in Minnesota, which is a little narrower than the one in um, that just came down in Michigan. The one in Minnesota was simply that it's premature, that there's this Article 3 and the power of the uh, state election official to remove someone from a ballot does not in any way, shape or form relate to a primary ballot. Okay, And so the court in uh, Minnesota said, hey, you can come back later for the general election but none of what you're saying applies to a primary because the primary is essentially just the internal operating rules of a party to nominate somebody. Uh, it's not actually putting a name on the ballot. Uh, uh, Michigan went further and I think is probably correct in going further and which I think also may be why we're never gonna get a definitive answer. Michigan said, yes, it's premature. This is just the primary ballot, but the judge there went further and said that it's a non-judiciable, judiciable, um, um, hard to pronounce uh, term, meaning it's not something for the judiciary to decide, that it's a political question and that the judiciary should not be deciding political questions. That ruling, if it holds up, when they come back for the general election challenge, uh, really gets rid of the case because it says, you're in the wrong place. This is not for the courts to decide. This is a political issue. Uh, now, how that plays out in real life, you know, we tend to think that there's always an answer to things under the Constitution that a judge should decide. And I think what that judge says is that, no, this is a political question. Maybe it's for Congress to deal with. Maybe it's for the voters to deal with. If you think somebody committed an insurrection, don't vote for them. Uh, judge didn't say that, but I mean, that's how you would resolve it politically. Uh, and so... We don't have a definitive answer in Michigan because the judge there did say it's premature. We can certainly expect Democrats to be back once the, you know, Trump is nominated because this would have to occur very late in the process. This would have to occur after he is the official nominee of the Republican Party. So that would be after the convention and a request is made to have his name be on the general election ballot. So this is something that we're probably going to be dealing with in June or July, probably July. What I think is interesting is that they're asking the judge to say what Congress did not say regarding removal. Um, there, there was, there was no uh, moving forward on impeachment after the second impeachment. There was no removal uh, fr from office. The charge of insurrection is made by a political party, but has not been ever 
adjudicated anywhere. Uh, is there a judge out there who desperately wants to get on the record and say, oh, yes, I've decided because this group of people feel a certain way, this is now a ruling? Well, I'm sure if they bring enough of these cases, they're going to find a judge. Okay. And so the question is, how is the federal judiciary and, and the U.S. Supreme Court ultimately going to rule? And they haven't had luck finding a judge yet. I mean, this is obviously a monumental decision to keep somebody off a ballot, it, you know, for, for reasons not having to do with other qualifications, you know, your age, your citizenship, things like that. Did you file the right number of signatures? And those are things that are not controversial to keep somebody off a ballot. But, uh, you know, I, so I, I think they're going to have trouble finding somebody. I'm not saying they won't find somebody who's going to want to make this decision. And, and you're right, Congress during the impeachment could have convicted Trump and he wouldn't have been able to run for office again. Congress chose not to. Uh, so that's what I mean when that was an opportunity. So I think that this is going to linger. Courts are going to keep saying primary ballot is not something we have to deal with now. Come back to us after he's the nominee. So we're going to see these fights play out in July and August, and then the stakes will even be higher. Presuming he is the nominee, you're going to be asking a judge to rule that the Republican Party has no nominee for their ballot. Which is, Which is worse than now. Yeah, no. the primary, they can nominate somebody else. But that, but I mean, so much of this, uh, whether I'm a Trump guy or not a Trump guy, I, I've said this uh, before. Uh, if Trump's the nominee, I'll vote for him. But I think I have a couple directions I want to go in before uh, that, that's, that's the case. Um, but this is so much a conversation as we're watching, as we, you and I have discussed the indictments. There is an election interference conversation to be had here. Um, has anybody discussed within the judicial world that what we're seeing from Fannie Willis in Atlanta, what we're seeing from Letitia James in New York, what we've seen from Jack Smith, the special counsel, this is this is not the way justice was intended uh, to uh, to portray itself. Well, this is a point I've made. I know you've made a lot of people have made that this should have all been done a year ago. This, you know, whatever they're accusing Trump of being and doing, they could have brought these cases almost two years ago. We would have the answer to whether he's going to be a convicted felon, not in the middle of a primary race. And in some cases, this may be after he's the nominee. So this is, to me, absolute election interference. When you're talking about a major political candidate for a major party, someone who, whether you believe the polling now or not, based on the polling, he is significantly in the lead, uh, is the most likely nominee. And you wait until the middle of that cycle to bring these cases. To me, that is election interference. It may not be illegal election interference, but it is election interference. William Jacobson, a Cornell law professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Check out LegalInsurrection.com. Check out the foundation, the work that the man is doing over there regarding critical race theory, things being taught in schools and college campuses across the country. LegalInsurrection.com. Always appreciate you, William Jacobson. Can't thank you enough. Can't thank uh, you uh, enough. I think it freaks people out that I'm very honest about the fact that uh, I'm not – I don't I've never understood never Trump a day in my life. Never Trump is amongst the most radically unconservative thought processes I've ever come across. There's nothing conservative about it. And the people who push that uh, really have to question what it is they ever actually learned from Burke or Locke or anybody else. 
Um, but I'm not uh, uh, Trump or die. I'm about winning. I am okay with incrementalism to get to where I need to go if I cannot get things in large swaths. And 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 I get that this is different than how other people view the situation. I, I understand this, uh, and and that's that's a that's a fine disagreement. Um, but the idea that we're now going to have people try and keep a guy off the ballot instead of letting the people decide, man, that is uh, that should make you sick. It doesn't matter where you are on Trump. That should make you sick. These people think that they know best and you shouldn't even have the option. That's a radical proposition. That's a radical, despicable, disgusting thought process. These people who believe that they are your betters, that they know best for you, and you should do what they say, and they'll tell you who you can vote for. No. No, isn't it bad enough they did that to, to Bernie Sanders when they gave you Hillary Clinton in 2016? We've seen what happens when they tell you who you can vote for. It doesn't work out well. I don't plan on giving them any more power than they already have, and I plan on taking as much power from them as I possibly can. I think you're with me on that. This is Tony Katz today. Now, I have been told by people I know, like, and trust that the rank and file will vote for the deal, that the people working with the United Auto Workers at the General Motors plants will vote for the new deal that had put many of them out on strike. Except some of these plants are voting the deal down. And as is being reported, this deal is going down to the wire. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on? What is going on? I don't know why they're voting against it. Uh, it could be that they don't even understand what's in, in the deal, which would be the fault of Sean Fain, uh, the head of the United Auto Workers. A majority of UAW members has reported that several major GM plants have voted against the new deal. In, in Arlington, there was approval. It gave the deal um, a lot of help um, and, in terms of uh, the, the, the numbers of people. Prior to the end of voting at that Texas plant, the agreement appeared on pace for rejection. Majority of voters at several major assembly plants, representing 40% of the 46,000 union employees, voted against the deal. Well, what were they wanting? They got cost of living increases. Is it because they got cost of living increases, but... But they, 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 they lost their bonuses because the bonus was rolled into the cost of living increase, which is higher than the bonus. Oh, they wanted everything, everything, everything. And they didn't get everything, everything, but they got a lot. They got a lot. So the agreement has 52% approval. But not everybody has voted yet. I don't... Look, I have, I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to speculate about whether or not this deal goes or doesn't go. I can just not, I have no idea what happens if this deal doesn't. What happens if General Motors votes this thing down? Do they do they go back to General Motors and say, we need more, and General Motors says, pound sand? Do they say, bring it back to them, let them vote again, realize their mistake? I don't know. I got to assume it's embarrassing for Sean Fain, though. I assume... But then again, uh, he's a union leader. What shame does he really have? This is Tony Katz today.
the feet of this attorney in Loudoun County, Virginia, needs to be spoken about in far greater detail and in far louder voices than is happening right now. Because this is a loss not only uh, for the Democrat, who I believe I pronounce her name properly, Buddha Bibaraj, B-I-B-E-R-A-J. But this is a loss for George Soros. Now, talking about George Soros is not anti-Semitic. The people who say so are lying, pay no attention to them. And you can tell them that your Jewish friend Tony says it's fine. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. That's how you get to be a part of the show. You don't know this woman. And that's fine because you might not live in Loudoun County. With everything going on, you may have heard stories and not gotten into the details. She was the attorney for Loudoun County. Loudoun County, Virginia has been ground zero for the woke insanity. Not to say that your city, your town, your municipality, your state hasn't gotten involved in the woke nonsense. But this was the place where you had a male student claiming that they were female, which is, of course, wrong because men are men and women are women and men are not women and women are not men, and that is what's honest. And honesty is necessary. Gender dysphoria is diagnosed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, DSM-5. It talks about, if you've never looked it up, go ahead, take a moment. Look it up, the DSM-5, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, of mental disorders. It is what it is. It's from the American Psychiatric Association. DSM, Diagnostic Statistical Manual 5. This is the fifth edition. And it 100%, 100% discusses gender dysphoria, as these manuals have. Now, did DSM 5 make changes from previous ones? I'll let others investigate. But gender dysphoria, thinking that you are another gender, thinking that you are a woman, if you are a man, this is a mental disorder. And I do not believe in coddling mental disorders or playing into them. I believe in addressing them, honestly and clearly. And certainly across the country, what we have seen is not actually this mental disorder, but rather the desire to feel accepted and to feel special. There is a tremendous amount of social contagion conversation that has to be addressed. There are some people who don't want to do that. Some people say, how dare you? Some people who say you're just a bigot. It doesn't matter. That, that, that is nonsense. What is real is that men are not women and women are not men. And we should not coddle mental disorders. We should help kids through it and that the social contagion part is absolutely real there is just no statistical possibility of this this is about kids wanting to be accepted wanting to be cool wanting to be different as has happened throughout history this is just how they're doing it the acceptance from adults and the coddling from adults and the pushing of this from adults and the keeping information from parents from adults that's new the outright hatred of children in this regard, that is new and that is despicable. And that is just an example of our broken society. We are not all broken, but clearly there is an issue 
that has been introduced and is allowed to fester or there's been something removed, extracted from the situation that needs to be reintroduced that has allowed for this total lack of decency. Telling children they're actually something else and then pushing them into doing it and keeping that information from parents, that's, that's not a civilized society. That is obscene and it should be called out as such. But let's go back to what happened here. There is a girl, an actual girl, who was attacked by a boy who claimed to be a girl. Attacked. And the school board there covered it up. The school board there covered it up. This student, a boy who claimed to be a girl, was then put into another school where uh, allegedly another attack happened. When the father... When the father, his name is Scott Smith, found out about this and got infuriated with the school board, it was this attorney, Buta Bibaraj, who decided that amazingly, stunningly, it was the father who should be tried for disorderly conduct. She lost by 300 votes. They did a recount. It was 1,000 votes at first. It shrunk to 300. So never mind the, the lack of decency inside Loudoun County. We'll leave that for another time. Uh, they now have a new attorney. His name will be Bob Anderson, a former uh, prosecutor, Republican former prosecutor, Bob Anderson. This is an extremely, extremely important election. Because two things are at play here. First, an ideological insanity that wants to protect these people who abuse children and then attack parents who want to protect their kids. That's that's what happened. That's what happened. The other one is Soros put crazy money into this, as has been reported over the years in supporting this attorney, A million dollars. George Soros has a very gross view of what a society should be. I would say that to him. And I reject the idea that Soros is somehow this brilliant mastermind with billions and billions of dollars. He never made a bad decision, never made a wrong decision. I wonder now, since so much of this is about disrupting Western culture, how much money does he get from other places, other groups, other nations to then put into elections? And he's nothing more than the front. What, that, that, that's wrong? Oh, wait, I can't engage in that because that's a conspiracy theory and we don't do conspiracy theories. I'm not, I'm not talking crazy, am I? Like, that's totally possible. I'm right now watching San Francisco welcome Xi Jinping, and they literally have CCB signage up on the streets. Why? Why in the world would you do that? What's wrong with you? Well, if you favor the destruction of Western civilization, these are the things that you will favor. These are the things that you believe in. Somehow, you have gotten yourself to believe that the enemy is good and good is the enemy. 
If you think that the CCP brings more value to a society than the United States, you've never read a book. And we should clearly say you're wrong. If you believe that a boy can decide they're a girl and change in a girl's locker room and play sports against girls, you're wrong. You are lost. You are broken. And your argument is, well, I just care about these kids and and, and he or, or she should be able to be their true authentic selves. Being an authentic self does not mean indulgence. Does it? Being an authentic self means acceptance. Self-acceptance. I will never play professional basketball. It doesn't matter how much I identify. I can't hit the three-point shot. I'm also not tall. I cannot do these things. I will never be able to do these things. If I were to practice and had practice every single day for the past 25 years, I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't have the court vision that LeBron James has. LeBron can play basketball, and therefore he was able to do so, and therefore he was able to make millions, and he eventually will be a billionaire. His conversations about China, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He's a damn fool who never once got himself educated on anything. And he's proud of it. He's willing to protect Hong Kong, uh, which is to say the Communist Chinese Party, because the NBA wants to make money there, and he's all in for that. No ability to stand up on his own, no ability to have decency. Turns out that court vision doesn't always lead to having a, a, a core value. It doesn't lead to having morality, does it? No, they're two different things. Now it can. Someone can have great court vision and have a moral center, LeBron doesn't. When it comes to the conversation of China and watching people get abused, nope. You look at all of these people screaming, how dare Israel kill these innocent Palestinians? That's not what's happening. They're supporting Hamas. Now they're worried about, look at the attack on Muslims. When China was rounding up and imprisoning Uyghur Muslims, it was this show, it was you talking about how wrong it is not lebron james not these kids on college campuses they didn't give a damn that muslims were being rounded up they didn't care we did they didn't what moral center what level of decency a boy thinks they're a girl and attacked a girl and you think that the father Asking, what the hell is going on here? Why didn't you do more to protect my kid? That guy is the problem? Nah, clearly the school board is the problem that covered it up. Clearly the teachers are the problem who kind of promote this activity. Clearly the boy is remarkably troubled and needs therapy. Because he's a boy. And that will never, ever ever change as much as I will never get taller as much as I will never be able to hit the three-point shot he'll always be a boy it doesn't matter what he claims now if as an adult he wants to lie to himself he wants to dress a certain way or engage in a performance in a certain way or act in a certain way I don't get to decide that my interest my engagement begins when you tell me I have to change how I live when they state you have to change how you live. And this is exactly what has to be fought. 
Now, in uh, other areas around this, in Northern Virginia, progressive prosecutors won. They kept their seats because the parents there still haven't figured out how to protect their kids. Liberalism is weird. It's super, super weird. I should say progressivism because there are some people who be like, well, wait, I'm a Democrat and I'm not in favor of this. Well, there could be differences, right, between being a Democrat and liberalism or really progressivism. If we want to argue that there's a difference and then that's not just wordplay. But you can't support the people and you cannot support the actors who want to continue to push this idea and protect the idea that a boy could say they're a girl and somehow girls have to just take it, that a girl can be attacked in a school and the school board says, oh, let's not talk about that because we don't want this boy, girl, boy, girl to get in trouble. Oh, we can't have that. It'll be bad for the narrative. Next, what? We're going to have to share manifestos from women who think they're men and go about killing children because they want to see the crackers die? Oh, the Nashville manifesto is some really ugly stuff. And yes, of course, as we now know, it is indeed uh, the manifesto from this murderer who killed six in Nashville. Wanting to go after white people, wanting to go after Christians. The reason this story matters is because standing up matters. And calling out those who support evil matters. George Soros supports the wrong side. You know, what's the expression? The wrong side of history, the right side of history? It's a terrible cliche. Uh, He supports the wrong side of history again and again and again and again. And the reason is he thinks that Western civilization is the issue. I don't know the man personally, but I take a look at what he supports and how he supports it, and it's the only conclusion a rational mind can get to. But Western civilization is good, and Western civilization provides value, and Western civilization has saved the free world again and again, and once again it's under threat from people who simply won't accept, who somehow believe they can magically make the human condition better because they are touched with the secret knowledge. They know best, and knowing best means you allow children to decide their gender, you allow them to decide their medical histories or and, and medical procedures, you let them decide who they love, you give them full agency and autonomy, and parents are only there to make babies and hand them over to the state. That's, that's the premise of an Orwell book, not the premise of a society that thrives. A society that gives up on children, the raising of children, the rearing of children, the protection of children is not a society that works. That's why this story is so important and good for these voters. Let's see more of this. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Now uh, an apology from the BBC. A BBC News, uh, as it covered uh, initial reports that Israeli forces has entered Gaza's main hospital. We said that medical teams and Arab speakers were being targeted. This was incorrect and misquoted a Reuters report. We should have said IDF forces included medical teams and Arabic speakers for this operation. So we apologise for this error, which fell below our usual editorial standards. The correct version of events was broadcast minutes later. Yeah, that's one heck of a mistake. That's one heck of an oopsie, BBC. Holy crap. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. We know this, that the IDF 
took over a hospital. That's what, that's how I would say it. Because Hamas stores weapons below the hospital. That's why they had a command center. They use women, children, the elderly, the infirm, the sick, a hospital as a shield to operate their base of destruction and death. That's Hamas. And that's what people like Congressman Andre Carson and Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez and the rest of the squad and the Jew haters, that's who they support. That's whom they actually support, actively support. Is it whom or who? Either way, you let me know. So what the IDF did, the Israeli Defense Forces, they brought with them Arabic speakers, Arabic-speaking soldiers, and medical teams to be able to take care of the patients. What does the BBC say? They went after medical teams and Arab-speaking soldiers. Oops. I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just... uh, been jaded by all, all of this. I don't believe there are any oopses. I believe these things are, 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 are purposeful. I mean, mistakes happen. One should show grace, but holy crap, that's one hell of a thing to make a mistake on. The part of the story that isn't getting enough play, the genocidal Israelis bring doctors with them to make sure they can care for patients in a hospital where the terrorist organization Hamas is launching attacks against people. Yeah, Israel is not committing a genocide. Never buy into that lie. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.